Man, NBA legend Bill Russell. He gave the city of Boston and the Celtics organization 13 years, 11 championships, five MVPs, bruh. And if you add those up, it probably equals more than the number of fans who showed up to his jersey retirement. Now that's just ungrateful and tragic. Mm. Who do you have coming out the West? I would be honest, man. It's game time, man. Check your watch. It's what? Game, I mean, and coming off the bench isn't a bad you are tuned into Hot Take Season, where these hot takes are rated E for everyone. A rotation of quarterbacks. Like, that, that's going to be a while. I think you there, bro. Hot Take Season. Hot Take Season. Hot Take Season. What up, what up? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hot Take Season, where these hot takes are rated E for everybody. I'm your host, me or me. The homie Pop is co-hosting this segment with me. Pop, what's up with you? Hey, what's up, bro? Peace. All right. I know it's been a minute. We've been dealing with some stuff, but uh, happy to get back with y'all. Um, so this one is a, is a basketball segment, of course, and eventually, well, not eventually, but soon after this, we'll get an NFL preview going. Um, but I think first things first, though, not even basketball related, before we get into basketball, we got to talk about the GOAT, Serena Williams, retiring. Pop, what do you think about that? Um, A lot of people are using her church to retire to talk about the duality of women, right? how mm-hmm. she's a mother and a professional athlete and how she's essentially choosing her family, you know, family life over being a billionaire professional athlete, you know, all the endorsements and stuff like that. And they're trying to try to say that that's kind of the things men don't have to deal with that women have to, mm-hmm. you know, front line. But I just want to say that the movie was great last year. It put another light on their career, uh, Serena and Venus, cause they're synonymous. Um, I believe she's had a great career. She's had a great run. I'm proud of her. I know her city is proud of her. She's she's held herself to a high standard. And I wish her, if she does choose to retire, because you know how these these great athletes are with retirement. I retire now and they'll be back a few years later. So maybe she'll come back. Retirements aren't, you know, they are in a coffin. So hopefully mm-hmm. maybe we'll see her again, just not in the timely manner that we want to. On her time, we'll see her on her terms. Yeah, and I just yeah. congratulate her. And wish her the best in her next stage of life. Definitely, definitely going to feel weird not seeing her on the court. I, I actually grew up kind of watching tennis and, and watching Venus and Serena um, and a lot of other big names in the sport um, play. So it's always weird seeing somebody you've grown up watch retire. Um, but tennis is a sport that you can kind of play forever. It's just being able to be the top dog at it is where things kind of get tricky because you can't necessarily be top dog forever. Um, she's definitely one of the most decorated um, women's tennis athletes, tennis athletes all around. Um, 192 and 34 career record and 23 titles. Hopefully it's 24 after that U.S. Open before she finally calls it quits. Um, but the, yeah, the, de- the sport definitely won't feel the same, at least to me, without her. Now, of course, there's some other greats coming up, you know, Coco Golf and all of that. Um I don't know that we'll ever have another Serena Williams though. Yeah, she was the draw. She was she was this is once in a lifetime thing. Arthur Ashe, Andre Agassi, Pete Sanford, these are mm-hmm. Williams. She's up there as one of these and the movie shows the work she put in to yeah. her craft. 
you don't you don't know who's going to be dedicated like that because there's so much other things when you're a minority in that sport that come with it. Right. Some other hurdles, you mm -hmm. know, so you don't know if we'll ever see another black woman be that great again. Hopefully we will, though. Hopefully we will. But you know what's Hopefully also interesting is that when you say Serena Williams, a lot of times her name is in that category of greatest athletes of all time. And I don't want that to ever go overlooked because, you know, a lot of people like to give it to LeBron or, you know, some people go with Tom Brady for whatever reason. Um, but whoever you throw up there, you have to mention Serena Williams as an all around just great athlete, I feel. Yeah, they can't take that from her. She's in the books. Yeah. Her name's stamped and signed. You know, she, they can't take that from her. And I don't then, know. Maybe Lil Olympia is coming up the ranks eventually. Maybe we'll get to see her play and, and be her mom 2.0. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? It's probably a young lady out there right now that we never heard of. Because remember, that's what I learned from that movie that they did about their father, King Richard. Mm -hmm. That, you know, yeah, we found out about him as like teen sensations. But this started in like, this started at eight, nine years old. Right, right, right. Know what I mean? So that's when I was like, okay, this, that is so much work went into this. Not to say that everybody's path is the same, but who knows? It's like, it might be an eight-year-old young lady right now practicing her heart out, getting ready to dominate. Mm -hmm. you, you never know. Yep. And and while we're on the subject of retirement, um, now the, the WNBA playoffs are gearing up uh, here within the next two weeks, I believe. And uh, two big names retiring from that sport is Sylvia um, Sylvia Fowles, yes, and um, Sue Bird. Hate to see them go. I know you had um, you watched Sue Bird over the years. What are you thinking on seeing her retire? I mean, she's what forty, and still at it. So I, it's about time when you think of it in sports years. But just to see her still be playing at a high caliber, I think is something pretty awesome. So. I'm glad you brought that into the you interjected that into the conversation. Um her being 40 years old. I think right now in front of us, with the combination of athletes, dedication to the sports, the science of the sports and nutrition and the way that they prepare their bodies, games mm -hmm. changing. I think that we're gonna see in our lifetime, me and you, we're gonna see athletes play longer than we did before. Right, right, right. Very interesting to see, like, cause you know. And um, with, I'm not going to use the NBA because that might be a little disrespectful because we're talking about the WNBA. But I'm just going to say that there was a time when at 30, an NBA player was considered finished. Mm -hmm. you know, but it been, they realized it's beneficial to the game and the player. Like the player is going to make more money because they'll be able to sign longer contracts. But it's beneficial to the game because there's been marketing dollars put into this player. So um basketball quickly realized that hey we don't need an athlete to go to college for four years right come out at 22 23 mm -hmm. and then they get seven years of his prime you know they realize hey we can get this guy out of high school develop him in the league and we could get possibly 20 to 32 12 years of his prime we can increase our we can increase the return on our marketing dollars mm -hmm. and i think that her playing up until age 40 was not just a great service for herself like it wasn't just self-fulfillment I think it helped that game in that league because that's a name you know right 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 especially as you know things transpire over the years within the league she's still a, a big name that's still around you know for the last what for a couple of decades you know what I mean so 
a legend to say the least. Um, Sylvia Fowles for me as well. Um, LSU legend, um, legend in bas in women's basketball to me. Um, and I'm gonna feel the same way once Tina Charles calls it quits, you know. Um, but yeah. So uh, with Sylvia though, Sylvia is planning to become a mortician after all of this. <laughs> what do you think about that? I don't think that's I quite the career path anybody would have saw coming. But hey, I like it for her. Whether it's a, um, a WNBA player that's a legend and has been carrying that league and uh, been a, a value to the game, or it's your 19-year-old cousin that said they want to be a mortician. Mm -hmm. You want to always raise your eye. Like, hey, you want to deal with dead people? Right. It is a lucrative industry. Um, there's a lot of money to be made in that industry. She's probably not just going to be the person embalming the body. She'll probably end up, once uh, she's licensed, owning her own funeral home. And there's, you know, that's a big industry. So mm -hmm. that's what her passion is, and that's what she's into. You know, more power to her. For real, for real. Can never go, I don't think you can ever really go wrong in that industry um, if you choose die to go that way and do it the right way, you know? Yeah, people die every day. So yep. you're going to run out. It's always business. It's always business. Um, but you brought up something in regards to the NBA since we're getting ready to head over that way. Um, about the years, you know, about getting players at, at a younger time, introducing them to the league um, and, and getting more years out of their prime. Would you possibly think that that idea or that, that scope of taking the NBA that way came from the foreign leagues? Because we know over in the foreign leagues, a lot of athletes start playing professional ball at 16 or whatever. Um, take Luka Doncic, you know, just for reference for right now. He was playing pro ball as a teenager. And now, you know, we're seeing the benefits of that in the NBA. So do you think Ricky the foreign Rubio, league? Yeah. Rubio too, Say that again. Ricky Rubio, too. Yeah. He first matched up with Kobe at like 16, doing McDonald's. He was doing McDonald's commercials at like 16, you know. Um, a lot of people might have forgot about that because his NBA career didn't necessarily pan out the same way that his international career was. But, but um, I think maybe they did get that from um, – because – well, so maybe they did get that from uh, the European leagues – Maybe they got it from the MLB because remember you could sign a major league baseball contract mm -hmm. in high school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know where they got that from because David Stern was a marketing genius. Yeah, when they when they created that monster of Michael Jordan, a lot of people don't realize that for a while Michael Jordan was inescapable. Not only did ESPN use him to build their brand right with his highlights and you know timing it right, you know they they did it right, they marketed it right, right, but right. Gator. Gatorade built off of Mike. McDonald's built off of Mike. Uh, even in, um, what is it? Uh, McDonald's, Gatorade, Nike. How could I forget Nike? Nike. Mm -hmm. he, that was Jordan built, man. You know, there wasn't, not, everybody had a pair of Nikes, right? At one time, there was uh, your favorite athlete, right. you know, uh, not seven out of 10 of your favorite athletes signed with Nike at one time, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But no shoe has ever matched Jordan's to the point where the man was drafted in the 80s. Right. It's still selling his sneakers sold out now in 2022. Mm -hmm. and, and there's no point. There's no point in my adult life where his sneakers didn't sell out. It was a point when it wasn't as fashionable, but it was a time. It never was a point where his sneakers were like just lingering. Right. Like you, it's, it's getting outrageous now. The pandemic heightened it where you can't even find a pair of sneakers, but mm -hmm. his sneakers 
always sold out, you know, to the point where there was conversations was how dangerous is this marketing where right. people would get killed over his sneakers. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. So to bring it all back full circle, um, everybody benefited off of that player, right? And I think they might have seen, well, damn, what if we had a got Mike four years earlier? Mm-hmm. And we could have matched him against uh because that's another thing when you do that, right? If Mike gets in the league four years earlier, that's an opportunity for them to match him up against Magic four years earlier. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just because you know greed is a big part of it. Exactly. Whenever they get their bottom line, like say, say Michael Jordan, just that name, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, made other people, not including himself, say he he grossed over two hundred billion for other people. They're not looking at it like, well, you know, it's 200, but I say, man, we could this and tweak that. We could have got maybe four or 500 million out of this. You know what I mean? So I think that all plays a part. Yeah. And I, I don't think anybody will ever sell a shoe the way Jordan does. No. I don't see anybody topping that brand. Who, who, was else, who else was in the Michael Jackson video, man? <laughs> right. No, like, seriously, you know, Space Jam 2 was cool, you know, but. When Mike did that, that was the first of his kind. And it, I, you got to remember, when Mike did Space Jam, he's like 36, right? 35? Mm-hmm. That brings him to a whole new a whole new market of people that are kind of just getting into the game. You know what I mean? And then that's why they combined it with cartoon characters to reach a younger market. All of this thing is by design, you know? So I think that um maybe the NBA saw that or maybe they because you remember in our age they're always trying to find the next Mike. That's why I used that. That's why I highlighted him. Right, they right, right. Trying to find the next uh Clyde Drexler or Magic Johnson. These are all people that helped the game. They weren't trying to find the next Dr. J. You right. Know, people that helped build the game. You know what I mean? These are these are when they went on the road, these are I want to see Dr. J play. Mm-hmm. I want to see Larry Bird play, but once they lost Mike. They were always trying to find a next Mike. And some people that listen to our show might be too young to remember. VC was supposed to be the next Mike. Vince mm-hmm. Carter. Mm-hmm. He was next. So many people came and they had good. I remember at one time even talking about Jerry Stackhouse. He's supposed to be the next Mike. You know, oh, he had wow. he had the UNC background. Mm-hmm. He, he was a really good player, but he yeah. wasn't Mike. You know what I mean? And then when Iverson was great, it wasn't was he great in his own light. It was, well, is he better than Mike? Yeah. You know, he's, a, he's almost the standard, you know. Yeah, he's the gold standard. He mm-hmm. would measure it about, he would make the dollar valuable for the league. Yep, everybody want to be like Mike, you know. Remember the song. <laughs> um, all right, so we got to get into this whole Brooklyn Nets situation. Um, it's still just chaos, I feel. You know, Harden is gone. You got the whole KD drama, and now we're taking shots at Steve Nash being kind of what I alluded to, may not be the coach they need right now. Um, your thoughts on, I'll say, the Nets versus Nash? So uh, Steve Nash um, accepted a – he accepted a one-way leverage position, right, mm-hmm. with you would bring so it's like a coach's dream and nightmare, right? Because it's duality, it's it's two sides to every coin, right? Right. So bring you in, and we got championship caliber players. Kyrie has a championship, Durant has a championship, but we have players around them. And remember, uh, Durant was hurt, mm-hmm. 
we have players around them, but we don't know how they're going to gel. Um, and then it turns out that your star players didn't want to play with them. They got rid of all of the players that filled those seats in the Barclays Center, right? Crazy. They, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, uh, Carlos Levert. Um, they got they got even even down to um, I don't know if he wanted to Russell Russell um D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he wanted to be there, but they just got rid of they just cleaned house, right? And also in in uh an effort to bring in stars, right. and then when you bring in stars, you kind of cater to them because you say, hey, they're part of this women formula. You know that the NBA is a star driven league, and you need stars to survive. Like you know. When you're going into the chip, you're talking about beating LeBron. So mm-hmm. you come and fact, you're a team that's going to, you know, even though Golden State wins, I don't think everybody's – and that's kind of like a disrespect to uh, Curry, but I don't think people are gearing their teams at that time to beat Steph Curry. Right. You know, they're saying, yo, we got to beat LeBron, especially when he was in the East. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they did all these tweaks and changes and got rid of the coach and all of that. And in a sense, while you're doing that, catering to these stars, you're also making a monster because you're making an unmanageable situation. I'm starting the year. I'm coming into the year. And, like, by the ha- midseason, I don't have the same guys I started with. So I got to prepare for that. Then injury bug hits. Right. You can't count on that, right? Because so many things have to go right to win in the NBA. Then the injury bug hits. And now you're making all these adjustments with very little cap space. You're bringing in these older guys who you can't get the most out of, but they got a name and People are rooting for them. Hey, put him in the game. Put him in the game. You know, this guy could barely make it up half court. You, you, you can't rooting for this guy. So Steve Nash had a he had a good, bad situation from the start, right? right? And then when he first came in, I'll never forget, Kyrie said, oh, it's like we don't have a coach. I'll, I'll be a coach some days. Some days Kevin, D, Kevin Durant will be the coach. We're coaching by committee. And in my mind, I'm like, yo, what's that about? Is it did they mess up by bringing Steve Nash in because he don't have no rings, or you know because he was a great player, and if anything, if Kyrie had an open mind, he could have learned from Nash had a few twenty assist games, man. Like mm-hmm. he just he was just in that West Coast when the West was the West. Like you had to get out of, you had to get past the Lakers, or you got to get past Tim Duncan, man. And right. those weren't all feats because they were going to the chip every year. Right. So if you didn't have, even if you had the best starting five, you didn't have a bench, you might not be able to do nothing with them. Yeah, I don't so, think it was necessarily. Um, well, let me say this: I I feel the Nets moved too quickly to make Steve Nash a head coach, and we kind of talked about that before how he didn't have, you know, a coaching resume, and they put him in that position, and then you bring in Mike D'Antoni as an assistant coach, and we all feel D'Antoni is really the one calling well, the shots you know what yeah. I mean and so now that uh, I think that Tony is gone you know we're seeing I guess we're seeing um Nash coach them but it's just not what you would expect um for a team that had so much potential right now and so I think they just put him in that position too soon and possibly should have just you know had him to work up the ranks and let him show what he could do um to get to that point, because just because you're an awesome player, that doesn't mean that you translate over into a great coach. Um, I think coaching is something that kind of takes a little experience and time, you know, getting those years under your belt a little bit, especially coaching at that level. I think that also that coaching by committee was immediate disrespect mm-hmm. in the organization can handle it well, because then Kyrie went on a, a tantrum in a way. He did everything he wanted to do, and that's not something you do as an employee, you know, that's more or less do when you own the building. Not- and then, I mean, 
to do coaching by committee on a, a first year head coach, does that really show your trust in that coach? Right. Right. But it's like, who did you want to coach? And I don't think Kyrie would have been happy with anybody. After the way the Kyrie thing unfolded, it's really the Nets versus Kyrie. But um, yeah. I don't, I don't, after that whole Kyrie debacle, I don't know who they could have brought in as a coach. And even if his dad was coaching, he would have found a reason probably to be mad about that. <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not, he's, he's a person. Um, He's a person. I'm going to respect him because I only know what's being presented. I don't know him personally. Right. But the person that seemed that throughout his tenure with the Nets was going through a lot of personal changes. Mm-hmm. You no, know, he didn't have any, uh, he didn't have any problem presenting those changes you know the um the incense in the locker room and you know all these other things but it just seemed like he was growing because remember these are young people right these aren't like yeah they're grown men in their millions but they've been treated a certain way their whole life they they don't they don't necessarily live in reality in my opinion mm-hmm. so you know the way he handled things I don't agree with it but in his mind he might have felt he had every right you know he might be looking at the business side of it and, hey I generate this much money I'm only being paid this because we look at this salary as enormous because we always compare it to a game we love and what we make. Right. A game of and we play for free, you know. So, but in reality, their salaries are a product of collective bargaining. Mm-hmm. They, they really deserve more than what they make because they're the ones, the owners that get, uh, I think, what is it now, 51, 49%? I believe so. Um, The owners that get 49%, they don't do much to, to you know, earn that they just have put up but you know they benefit off of everything jersey sales hot dogs sales ticket sales you know they benefit off of everything you yeah. know so, um it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot on that table and mm-hmm. I, I like my personal opinion both him and kd could have handled that better but then kd and who knows if kd gave that ultimatum you know when things get leaked you don't know how valid they are right right who knows if KD said uh, trade me or get rid of the coach and the GM? That's just absurd. It seems like because you, you want too many changes for all of that. You need to coach the team, right? You know, and then we'll see what goes. Like you need for all of these demands, you need real responsibility because for whatever reason, the the money's not holding you accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we gave you the bag. We gave you the bag while you was hurt, and in his mind, he probably feel like, well, I'm KD. Everybody would have gave me that bag. Not really. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's it's a point of you've been at that stature too long where you kind of you feel you can do whatever. And I think a lot of professional athletes eventually, if they've been around the league long enough, they take that same approach. And it doesn't always work out in their benefit, as we're seeing. Yeah, humbleness. Once humbleness, humbleness is the ground that mm-hmm. keeps connected. And once you lose humbleness, you lose sight of, you know, who you are and you just start doing any and everything. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So I'm going to ask you this because I know this is a big question that a lot of people have asked me in regards to this episode. Um, does And Katie has put in a second request, trade request. Do you think he gets traded by the time the season starts this year? His salary is so high. He can't, he can't get both the things he wants. If he's willing to take a pay cut, probably. Mm-hmm. But remember, I, when, I talk, when we talk about these trade scenarios, the first thing I do as a fan is go look at the money, right? right. You go on hoop hype, you go on hoops hype, you go on um a few of these basketball websites and the contracts are listed, public information, I guess, right? Right. The money don't match. Right. He makes too much money to do the things he wants to do. 
And the dude, some of the, like he says, he wants, I, I can't say he says because we didn't personally hear him say that, right? Mm-hmm. But they're saying he said he wants to go to a contender. He wants to go to Phoenix. He wants to go to Miami. And now they're talking about Philly. But the money doesn't work. You'd have to give up so much to equal his salary. It's mm-hmm. not, it's just like NBA 2K when you try to do the trade. It's not going to be the computer not accepting the trade. It's going to be the money and the number of players. Right. When you're the top player playing the league, you don't you, you can only kind of be moved for certain pieces. And if they're not going to trade him to LA for Westbrook, you know, which is not going to happen. It's it, the money has to work. And a lot of the things he wants, like so he goes to Phoenix. Phoenix has to give up a one a big piece. Mm-hmm. You can't either that or maybe they're saying, well, you know what? Let them pay the luxury tax, but that's the thing. The luxury tax is when you sign. He can't even get over there because he's already signed. He's exactly. already locked. Me. So it's like, yo, the luxury tax is not a thing. It's it's more or less the money for a trade. There's, there's rules like this for a reason. Yep. The money for a trade has to work. And then the money doesn't work in any of the scenarios he presented. You know, around end up in Utah. <laughs> All right. I don't nah. think I'm with you in that sentiment, um, and that's been my response is I don't think anybody can afford him right now um, or are willing to, to go all in just to get him. He's like older. He's right, older. right, right. And and, and the injuries have set in. Yeah. He's yeah. Older and he's making all that money. Would you give up one of your younger prime players that's making big bank for him? If you're Phoenix, would you give up D-Book? If you're Miami, would you give up Bam? Right. These are the players that you got to give up to get close to his money. Mm-hmm. You know what? Um, and I don't see him wanting to take a pay cut right now. I I, I just don't see Kevin Durant doing that. Um, I now. think his I think his salary is a more of a matter of ego because he generates a lot of money. So right, like me and you look at ten million dollars like a lot of money, right? There's right. probably less taxes he pays. So I don't see why if he really wants out of there. That's the thing. How bad does he really want to go? Yeah, I don't even know how NBA pay cut will work. Because once NBA contract guaranteed, mm-hmm. and that's I know they don't really do. They don't really renegotiate. Right. But that opens up a Pandora's box, you know. So I don't even know how that would work, a pay cut. But yeah, I think he's I think he's pretty stuck this year, at least. And maybe they can try to figure something out for next year. But as far as this upcoming season goes, I think he's stuck in Brooklyn. He has a contract clause where he gets paid a bulk of his contract in the summertime. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really Wait on game checks like a traditional NBA salary. You know, you get paid per game. So he's already received a lot of his money, similar to Ben Simmons with Philadelphia last year, right? Right. They negotiated with um when that uh, bubble season happened, when they had to go play in the bubble, they realized like, hey, we, let's start negotiating a little differently, like so that way, even if no games are being played, I'm still getting paid. You know, mm-hmm. he received his big check, or he's about to receive his big check. That's like his summer installment of his check, you know. Right. Um, I don't see, I don't see legally how he can take the money and sit out with no real injuries. Now if he's hurt, that's one thing, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know, man. KD, this is, I don't know. KD's under a lot of criticism. Um, he's a he's a young man still, you know. Maybe he'll look back at this and have regrets, or maybe he won't. But I don't think you, a player as great as KD, like this, is not no, it's not no dude, like new to the league it's not no like i'm sorry to keep throwing ben simmons under the bus <laughs> but this is not ben simmons man this is a dude that you know he's up there he's an upper echelon tier basketball player right 
for him to sit out is crazy. Just to hear that. Imagine Mike saying, I'm going to sit out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Imagine Magic saying, I'm going to sit out. You know, it's just, it's just crazy. Just imagine those top-level NBA guys. Imagine Pat Ewan telling the Knicks, I'm going to sit out. Mm-hmm. It just sounds crazy, man. So hopefully he doesn't take that. He's robbing the fans that already, you know, that paid to see games and won't be able to see KD, and he's still getting paid. That's kind of crazy, man. Yep. Yep. And I don't necessarily know if he cares about the league side of it or the business side of it, I'll say, for the Knicks. Like, they signed you to this big contract, and nobody else right now is trying to take on that. And you can't blame them because of the circumstances. You know what I mean? But I don't necessarily know if he's looking at it that way. And I say that because he came back with a second request. But I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully it works out for him in some way. Um, Yeah, I I hope so. I hope it works out for him. I hope he gets – I hope he's happy. He likes to see people be happy. But the way he's going about it just seems like unprofessional. Yeah. weird because you're the reason your team has no youth. Like, you gutted the team in a sense. Mm -hmm. You all these demands, you know. Well, well, at least that's what they're saying, but – I don't think a lot of these demands. I think I, I think one thing he couldn't run from. I don't care what anybody said. You made that hard in demand. Mm-hmm. You got hard in the Brooklyn. You pulled the strings. You got hard in the Brooklyn, right? Right. And then your man lamed out, and he didn't want to be here no more. Like, and then we had to give up players to accommodate him. You know, that's chemistry that brought up. Yeah, we got Seth Curry. I'm happy about that. Um, we got uh, what's that big guy's name? I can't remember. Um. He's supposed to be that deal, and he fizzled out too. He didn't have the career he's supposed to have. Um, not Greg Monroe, but he Andre Drummond. We got Andre Drummond, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I don't. He's not even with the team. I think he just signed with Chicago, right? Uh, so, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, the only only thing the Nets made that I think they got to eat is they signed Joe Harris to all that money, knowing that he might need a surgery. But other than that, man, um, KD and Kyrie made a lot of changes to that team. And now they both don't want to play there, and that's very disheartening. I'm not as mad as I went as I was at the beginning when they when this first started that first round exit, but um, you know, it's just like, yo, come on, man. Now you, it's like all that criticism, but then also it could be talk to sell papers. You never know what's genuine in this business because it's a business. That's very true, Pop. That's the very media, true. Yeah, the media is a business. You know, the NBA is a business. KD is a brand. Mm-hmm. You, know, so you never know what's genuine, but um. All these, you know, you, you made all these moves and now you don't want to, like, you know, they talking about driving the bus. And then he talked, he going back and forth with Charles, man. Charles don't have a ring, right? Mm-hmm. Charles, at the end of his career, he went to the Rockets chasing the ring, right? But Charles was great, man. Yeah. We can't mm-hmm. take that from him. Right. Charles did more with less. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that Phoenix Suns team. Dan Margell, Hot Rod Williams, Kevin Johnson, Sergio Sabalos. Like, they right. were all good players they ain't have no business in the nba finals yeah and that that's my thing now that you bring up the ring talk is it's not fair to count somebody's or i say certain players greatness based off of rings it's just not fair because there's multiple players who have multiple rings and they weren't even a star you know what i mean of their team or they weren't elite status Look when you Steve look back Kerr. on it now, look at Steve Kerr, right? Before he got four rings as a coach, right? Mm-hmm. And then he got what seven rings as a player. Mm-hmm. Steve Kerr was a hell of a player when he played in Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody even remembers that though, 
Like only only real basketball fans gonna remember Steve Kerr in Cleveland, right? Right. Cleveland, like he didn't he didn't take he didn't take Cleveland to the finals. He didn't, but he has he had all these rings based off playing around greatness and fitting in the system. Exactly. You know? And so to value somebody's NBA presence by rings is kind of sad. Like you know the person I don't even feel sorry the most for Charles Barkley for that because Barkley came in a different era. Char- if you played, know, you know. If you know basketball, you know what Charles Barkley was to the game. You just know that, it. But look at Pat Ewing. He ain't got mm-hmm. no rings. Mm-hmm. He, he literally left it all on the floor. The only thing stopped him, he went to two finals. The second finals, he tore his Achilles. Yeah. You know, in the first finals, he ran up against Elijah Wan, but it's not that he, he didn't perform. The system they had around him wasn't equipped. Those dudes didn't have no business in the NBA finals when they went versus the Knicks versus the Rockets, <laughs> right? And John Starks was a shooter, streaky shooter, you know, shoot a shoot. So mm-hmm. they kept him came in. You know, he 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 didn't he didn't uh he didn't deliver. But is all of that on did, did Pat make Charles Smith? Yeah, Pat missed that finger roll. He should have dunked it. But did Pat make Charles Smith miss the layup? You know, did Pat let Reggie score nine points in 30 seconds? Right. Pat made John Starks miss all them shots, you know, and they never gave Pat a real point guard and kept him around. Derek Harper was a great player in Dallas. Mm-hmm. But when he got to the Knicks, he was on the other side of his career. And you got him playing in playoff basketball every year. You know, they should have been switched that up. They could have been brought up somebody. But it's just the Knicks and that. Ah. But anyway, you know, yeah. Pat Pat delivered and he didn't have a ring. So many people delivered and, didn't, and weren't fortunate enough to get a ring. Iverson, to... my, my favorite Iverson. Ivo is my favorite player. I don't, I don't know. Iverson put on, man. But Iverson, I don't know. I, I don't want to trash Iverson. That's my man. I love Iverson. Hey, man, we're not going to do that one. Yeah. No, no, man. Since, since you open the can, we got to talk about it, man. <laughs> oh, man. Iverson's God-gifted abilities, man. But did, do you do you think as a – we only observe him. We wasn't right. in the, you know, we wasn't on the floor at any means. But do you think Iverson – and this is a conversation we could have maybe on another episode. Mm-hmm. Do you think Iverson lived up to his potential? He had so many God-given abilities, right? Mm-hmm. The quickness, the agility, the speed, the mm-hmm. mindset, right? the toughness. Some things you can't teach, right? Right. But I feel like his career could have been so much better. I feel like there's 10,000 points missing off his career. I feel like there, there was a ring in there if he had to figure it out a little bit. When they ran against the Lakers, they took a game. I don't mm-hmm. think nobody's supposed to beat Shaq and Kobe. Right. But they took a game, you know? Um, Iverson was great, man, but I think he, I think he, and he is up there in a legend conversation, right? Definitely. But he could have been something more, I think. I, I can, I can agree with that, but at the same time, it does, like you just said, he's still a legend status. It doesn't take away from what he did in the game and what he brought to the game. Um, let, let me ask you a question because we started off talking about long, um, the, uh, the length of the players' careers now, right? In multiple sports, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think if Iverson took as good as care of his body as LeBron is doing right now, right? Like invested in his body. Mm-hmm. If, or who knows if he smoked or not. We don't know if Iverson smoked. I think he did, though. And he didn't party or drink. If he took better care of his body, do you think he would have had a better career? That's hard to say because everybody's body is different. Like, just because you do quote-unquote, all the right things to take care of your body, that doesn't mean something still won't break down. 
let's say bearing injury. Like he don't get no, he don't get injured. Bearing injury, yeah, he could have played longer than you know what I mean. What he did, if he'd have handled well, something differently, like, yeah, if he'd have handled some things differently, um, he possibly could have been on other teams to to get him that ring. Do you remember the Kobe story? Like Which Kobe one? picks him up from the airport, and he's like. So Kobe picks him up because he, he he respects Ivo so much, right? Mm-hmm. And remember, Kobe didn't respect nobody. Like, Kobe used to go at Ray Allen, Pop, all mm-hmm. of them, like, wanted to smoke, right? Um, But he picks Iverson up. And he wants to get in this dude's head really much. You know, that's why he's picking him up. You know, right. it's, a, it's a statement of friendship. But he really wants to know, like, what makes this guy tick? Let me get close to him. You know what I mean? Because Kobe right. was a student of the game, right? Right. He picks Iverson up from the airport. This is the story that I was told. He picks Iverson up from the airport, right? Mm-hmm. And Iverson's talking about the club. And Kobe's like, nah, I'm going to the gym. And Ivo like, nah, later for that. Bubba like, nah, later for that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to the party, man. I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm linking up with this person. And and Kobe's like, nah, I'm going to be in the gym, bro. So let's, let's look at that. This is how I looked at it with my lens. I looked at it like, yo, 3 in the morning, Kobe was, like, getting some rest after putting up shots visualizing this game, coming out with a game plan. Right. I was, like, really enjoying himself. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? What if that had been reversed? What if Ivo had to went to the gym, right? Maybe even if he had to just went to the gym with Kobe, mm-hmm. would, would, that have, would that have transitioned into a better game? Would that mindset have transitioned into a better Iverson? Like, because, you know, that's one of the things with the NBA. You're traveling city to city. So that allure, we've seen players fizzle out. Yeah. So and you, you're right. Mindset does matter. That's at any sport. Mindset does matter. It does. So that's what I was saying. I was saying, like, maybe if Ivo had been a little more dedicated to his craft, right? Mm-hmm. And this is anybody that does something that um everybody has a job. Well, everybody that has a job knows that. After a few times of repetition, you kind of get it down. But it's right. a certain dedication, like, you know, going to sleep on time, plenty mm-hmm. of that, you know, looking for the next step of what happens. That makes you a better worker. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm, that's what all I say is I interject that into the Iverson conversation. By no means am I tarnishing. I will, you know, Bubba Chuck, man, one of the best to ever do it, man. One of the realest to ever do it, you know. Um, I got a lot of love for him just as a person, you know what I mean? Seems like a genuine person. He didn't seem fake. And his story, man, is so – his story was wild controversial. I was a kid when this happened. I rooted for Georgetown because of Ivo, right? I didn't root because of uh, Morning, Elijah Wan. Not Elijah Wan. Morning, the Matumbo or Ewan. I ruled because of Ivo, and I respected John. I was introduced to John Thompson because of Ivo. Like, yo, John Thompson's a man with a heart, man. He's not one of these, like, you know, big program dudes just sucking up basketball players and throwing them to the wayside. You know what I mean? Right. And um, Iverson, uh, I just always felt like maybe if he had to took the game a little more serious, maybe he would have a chip, you know. And that's no shot at Bubba Chuck because I, I love that dude, man. It's, everybody had an Iverson jersey, man. They have an Iverson jersey. You got it. Yeah, they kept <laughs> everybody was wearing Reeboks. Uh-huh. Everybody, you know, a lot of dudes. This is controversial too. I, they say Ivo bought braids to the league. And I thought, I thought more or less that braids was the fashion. Maybe Iverson, I didn't go get braids because I was in. I was in Iverson until that. I know but a I, lot of people that did though. That's crazy. Yeah, I know a lot of people that went to braids because of Iverson. That's crazy. Especially when it came to like the different designs and yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I know we did have a pair of braids called the Iversons. Mm-hmm. You know, all those individual braids going to two big yeah, ones. Yeah, the, the fish braids, yep. But to 
that's kind of crazy because uh, the man's an individual. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I will say he brought it to mainstream, but as a person, I, well, maybe at a certain age, people are trying to find themselves, but, you know, man, it is what it is. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't agree that he brought braids to the league. I, I think maybe he was the first person to bring it mainstream and make it fashionable, but if you, I don't know, man. I think he was being himself. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was definitely being himself, but I, and I think that just it it was just a trend that everybody caught on to. Not saying it was necessarily because of him, but he definitely had the influence to influence a lot of people to do it. Yeah. But uh, one last legend we're gonna get into. Um, R.I.P. to the late great Bill Russell. Um, the NBA is retiring his jersey number across the league. Um, anything you got? On Bill. Man, Bill Russell was a pioneer. He was a civil rights activist. Bill Russell seemed to be a man's man where he stood for what he believed and he stood firm on it. He didn't mm-hmm. waver. And um, I think not just the NBA, but the world is greater for having a person like Bill Russell. Bill Russell accepted the celebrity that came with him playing a sport. And in turn, he tried to use it to help the people that are being impoverished and discriminated against in this country. Right, so, right, uh, right. I have nothing but admiration and respect for Bill Russell. And um, I pray for his family at this time. May God comfort them. And uh, and Bill Russell be in a better place. Definitely, definitely. I think you summed that up pretty good or as well as I could have. Um, But yeah, definitely a legend to the sport on and off the court. Um, Just everything that he had to endure during his era um, of being being a black man in the league and and for what it is for playing in Boston. Um it, it just is what it is. In America. Yeah. The most racist cities in America. I yeah. want people to listen to this story. During a crack epidemic, right? Mm-hmm. This is when this is one of the most violent times in America for um just just this as a wild time in the streets. If you if you think what the, if you think what is Pop talking about, go check what is defined as the crack epidemic in America and go back Every major city in America's murder rates. They were at probably eight times the number. I know New York right now is like 400 murders a year. I know during the height of the crack epidemic, we had like 2,500 murders a year. There's only 365 days in a year. So that just tells you these are not shootings. These are not only shootings, these are murders. This is a wild time. And right. Boston, so racist, the gangsters in Boston didn't go to the garden. Now, nah, we don't go to the garden. I got that story uh, firsthand from a, a reputable Brooklyn dude. Like he, he went out to Boston to do his thing, and when he wanted to go to the Garden because he was a Celtics fan, the boys out there told him, "Nah, we don't, we don't go to the Garden." And that just tells you the kind of because that's like, yo, that's not just like we ready. It's one thing to be ready for the smoke. It's another thing to be looking for the smoke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that just tells you it was a guaranteed travesty for a black person to go to the yeah. Garden. Yeah, not that you have the money. It's not that you didn't have the access. It was just like, yo, do I want that problem? Mm-hmm. And this man played in the garden. Right. And, and that's what's so sad. It's he's there entertaining you guys, and y'all can't even treat him with respect. You know what I mean? Like, if you go back and listen to some of the stories of things he had to endure, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, this man played in the garden. It's a different era from the violent time I'm talking about. But I'm talk- I use that time to speak on the violence that right. was going on and the racism, and then nobody wanted to go to the garden still in the 80s and the 90s. 
people, black people talking about we don't go to the garden. And this man played in the garden in a much harsher time mm-hmm. towards black people. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, it was just, uh, you know, Boston, even, I don't know how many of our listeners go to Boston. There's some cool black people that live in Boston. Right. You know what I mean? And Brockton, right outside of Boston. I've been to Boston on occasion. It's only like four hours. If you speed and it's like four hours, three and a half from New York. If you do a tradition, it's like five hours, five and a half from New York. I've been there before. I've never been to the um Celtics, but I've just been there. Um, And it's different. They take their sports very serious. Mm-hmm. Like, I was in a bar. They asked me about my Yankee hat. I could care less about the Yankees if you know me. Um, but I'm from New York. Right. So I I'm a, you see me with a hat on, it's probably gonna be a late Yankee hat. And they really was like on it about the Yankee hat to the point where I'm like, I'm not taking my hat off. I don't really even care about it was in the wintertime at that. Oh, I'm like, wow. I don't care baseball, but I'm not taking my hat off and I'm not leaving this bar. And the bartender was nice about it. She was like, Well, you know, you might want to no, I'm not taking my hat off. I'm gonna yeah. take my they pressing take my, you like you in LA. Goodness. Yeah, they they're, they're serious about it. They're serious about like their sports. You know what I mean? Yeah. You gotta uh, you gotta choose a side real quick <laughs> out there in Boston. Boston is like a major city with backward vibes. You know, Massachusetts in general, it's a Commonwealth city, mm-hmm. a Commonwealth state. So I don't um, because you know the NBA's uh, the NBA's what you call them is in Massachusetts. The NBA um, Hall of Fame is in Massachusetts, in Springfield, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So. Massachusetts in general is a weird place. There's some cool people out there, but like you wouldn't expect it to be a northern city the way that they carry themselves out there. Right, right, right. Well, any other hot takes before we go? Oh man. I want all the Warriors fans right now, I want them to start saying that Curry's gonna get ring number five this year. I want to hear that talk. Right now, I want that same energy you had mid-season. Right now in the off-season. I want them to say, because every year I think LeBron going to win. Every year I think LeBron going to win the beginning of the year. Yeah. So, I, um, I hope. And you said hope, something about that earlier, too. You said about the uh, the East, it was, when he was in the East, it was, you know, who's going to be LeBron. But honestly, I think that's a narrative for the league wide. Like, it's not just making it to the conference finals if you're on the opposing side. It's how are you going to beat LeBron once you get there? Well, I know a lot of teams got to them finals and was like just happy to be there. Yeah, but um, you still trying to put something together to compete or beat LeBron. Yeah, I agree to that. I agree that I agree. Golden State they went and got Kevin Durant to go beat LeBron. Mm-hmm. So and uh, that's he got his two chips playing on a seventy was a seventy three and nine team. Yeah. Before he got there, they needed. They still needed. They only lost nine games in regular season. Some people say, "Oh, you know, they they went too hard in the regular season." I don't think there's any such thing because a lot of those games wasn't even close. Right, right, right. Games was blowouts, and they just ran up. You know, LeBron had their number for that year. That's all. You know, the ball don't lie. Some people say, right? But then <laughs> they went and got they went and got KD, the seventy three and nine team, went and got the second best player in the league to beat LeBron to what they already had. We're not gonna do this. We're not that gonna speaks, do this. <laughs> that speaks to that speaks to you know like the mindset of the the NBA. Like yeah. they weren't gearing up. They was like, "Yo, we gotta beat LeBron." Yeah. They won seventy three games the year before, and they and they you know they didn't win in the chip. You know, there's a lot to be said about that, but they didn't win in the chip, and they had to go get KD. That mm-hmm. is crazy, on both sides. Like KD took a lot of flack. I didn't judge him at the time, but now I can see why people did judge him. 
because it's unfolding in Brooklyn. Like, yo, man, when you gonna do it on your own? You know, yeah, this whole Brooklyn thing does not help the whole Golden State thing at all. It at, all. It at all. It makes it look like because people were trying to say that um a lot of Cavs was, was trying to say that Golden State and um OKC were rivals. I did not agree to that at all. Right. Like, you know, okay, they met in the playoffs. Yeah, they lost, but I don't see them as rivals. Right. If anybody remembers, Golden State's earliest rival was Memphis. And mm-hmm. um they had a hard time. Then they had a hard time with the Clippers. The Clippers with Lob City was giving them a run. It's just that Chris Paul was always hurt. So right. you know, um, I don't I don't I didn't agree that Golden State was rivals with OKC. I know they were two uh Western Conference elite teams. OKC had went to the finals before Golden State. They went to the finals versus Miami. But um I don't think that they were I don't think they were rivals and I didn't criticize them that much. I thought it was a smart move. Hey, go there, you know, experience winning, get you a chip, you know, hopefully. Cause I didn't know that they were definitely gonna beat LeBron. Because mm-hmm. remember, LeBron had a super team. Mm-hmm. He had K Love and Kyrie. Right. It just happened that in the finals, they, they never really made it to the finals with him. They would always get hurt, like on a playoff run, especially K Love. So it's like, you know, I didn't even know if that team was going to beat the Cavs. Who knows if they would have beat a full a full strength Cavs team, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's interesting and uh, it definitely doesn't make KD look good. At all. But, uh, yeah. Wishing the best for KD because I I hate to see somebody so great in the game just just go out like this, but it is what it is. I guess it happens. But um, before we go, I gotta send a special thank you to all of our listeners who have been tapping in with us on the Twitter Spaces. We're gonna try to keep some more of those coming y'all's way, but I appreciate y'all definitely tapping in with us, sharing um our content, commenting on it, hitting us up with feedback. I definitely appreciate that. So thank you to you all. Yeah, shout out to the people on the spaces, man. That's That's been intriguing. I'm a, I'm a older-minded person. I didn't really know what spaces are. Mia introduced it to me, and it's fun, like, because everybody gets to chime in. It's not just right, right, right. a personal conversation with us. It's like, you know, it's direct interaction. And we're doing our numbers on this, so mm-hmm. it's cool. I like to congratulate Bezo on his Revolt TV show. Definitely, congrats yeah. on that, Bez. And then that's pretty much it for me. And uh, thank you for having me, Mia. And um, as always, as usual, it's great doing the show with you. Always, always a pleasure, a pleasure to have you. Um, but yeah, thank y'all again for tuning in. Share this with somebody. Hit us up with your feedback. Um, and be on the lookout for more of those Twitter spaces if you're on Twitter. And eventually we're going to try to get some going on Instagram Live. We'll see, though. Um, again, thank y'all for tuning in. Y'all be blessed. Peace.